again, my name is Matt. It's great to be with you. We are continuing in our series through the book of Galatians this morning. Uh, So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn with me to Galatians 5. Uh, It's in the New Testament, maybe halfway through the New Testament in your Bibles. We're going to be picking up in Galatians 5 verse 1 uh, in just a moment. Uh, As we uh, continue through this book on legalism and grace, uh, Paul has marked out again and again throughout this letter that it is God who justifies us, which means that we get to come as broken human beings and trade our sin and our shame for the very righteousness of Christ. In fact, Paul's favorite descriptor uh, for a follower of Jesus is simply in Christ. And if you are in Christ uh, and you've placed your faith in him, then by some mystery, what's true of Christ actually becomes true of you. So his righteousness, his perfect life, everything that he lived in obedience to God uh, gets credited to our account. There's this remarkable shift that happens as we place our faith in Jesus. Our standing before God changes. In fact, everything changes. When we move from being in Adam in our broken humanity to being in Christ, it changes everything, including our relationship to the law. But the first Christians aren't so sure. What has shifted? How much has shifted? How should we conceptualize this? And so the earliest worshiping communities are trying to figure that out. What is our relationship to the law? And that's the focus of this beautiful letter that we have from a few thousand years ago from the Apostle Paul. Um, This is what he writes as he instructs instructs them in chapter 5. This is chapter 5, verse 1. He says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I didn't actually plan for this to fall on 4th of July weekend, by the way. Uh, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Yikes. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, as we open up this uh, ancient letter, perhaps the first of uh, Paul's many letters that we have recorded, 
Uh, I pray, Lord, that um, though they were speaking into such a radically different uh, issue and time and place and culture, I pray, Lord, that you would illuminate in our hearts and our minds your heart for us uh, and our relationship to the law and the way that things have so radically shifted by the miracle of the cross. Would you open our hearts up to that? In Jesus' name, amen. As I mentioned a moment ago, Paul's letter to the Galatians uh, is likely the earliest letter that we have from him in the library of scripture. And in a sense, you could almost guess that just based on uh, the fire uh, in his words. Uh, He says, the law is a yoke of slavery and Christ has died to set you free from the law. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't go back again. But one of the uh, hot topics in the early church was the topic of circumcision. Uh, And to us, thousands of years removed, if we're honest, it sounds like a rather odd topic. Uh, I've always found it to be whenever I come across that in scripture, I've thought, well, this is kind of awkward uh, and like strangely intimate and personal. And like, why are they always talking about this uh, in these letters in the Bible? Uh, But we have to understand that in the first century, uh, circumcision was a mark of inclusion. Uh, In fact, it was the primary identity marker for who was in the family of God and who was not in the family of God. Uh, for for centuries, if not millennia. So it was this very well-established identity marker. And then you've got the cross and the resurrection and, and this gospel begins to go out across the world. And you've got many who are coming to Jesus out of um, pagan, uh, Gentile, non-Jewish backgrounds. And as they're coming to Jesus, they're trying to figure out, well, wait a second, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What are the primary identity markers of this new community that I'm being welcomed into? What does it mean to belong here? How Jewish do I have to be? Because they're coming from a very um, pagan Greek uh, Roman background into this community and they're saying, well, wait a second, Jesus was Jewish. He, he followed the law. And, and all of his original disciples were Jewish. And Paul, who's come and established our church, well, well certainly he seems to be Jewish, and, and this announcement about Jesus is actually about the Jewish Messiah fulfilling the Jewish hope that was prophesied in the Jewish scriptures. So certainly, I should be Jewish, and I should take on the identity markers of the Jewish community. And so those are the, the issues that we're wrestling with. Certainly, I should also receive these same identity markers and we'll all follow the Jewish Messiah together. And Paul comes in and he says, absolutely not. That that is not God's intent with these new worshiping communities. Mark my words, he says. I tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. That's how big of a deal this is. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You are trying to be justified by the law or made right in God's eyes through the law. You've actually been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. In essence, Paul is saying, if you think circumcision, this badge of membership in the Jewish community is needed to become part of God's family, 
then essentially what you're saying is that you'd like to join the family of Abraham as it was before Christ came. And, and, and if that's the case, then, then what was the point of Jesus? Uh, what was the point of the cross? You're attempting to join the old family under the law, and in a sense, you're pretending as if Jesus never came at all. It's not that Jesus came to just encourage the Jewish people and to remind them that God's kingdom would come one day at the end of the age. Jesus actually came to do something much more radical than that. In and through Jesus, God's kingdom is breaking into this world right here and right now. And so to belong to Jesus, to give your life to him, to join the community of his followers, is actually to join something completely new. God's kingdom is breaking into this world in and through Jesus and the cross, burial, and resurrection. And everything that the kingdom touches, the kingdom changes. But Paul is saying, you can't have it both ways. You can't do both. Either you trust in Christ and his atoning death and his burial and his resurrection, and you trust that in Christ you've been fully justified before God, that you receive his, his perfect and spotless righteousness, that there's nothing left for you to do, that there's nothing left for you to earn. You are perfect. You are a new creation. Or you go the other way and you forget about Jesus and you rely on the law. You rely on, on a moral code in order to relate to God. And then you have to labor under the law and you'll be stuck under the condemnation of the law as you attempt to justify yourself, as you attempt to earn your own righteousness. But you can't have it both ways. You, you can't do both. You are either part of the new covenant or the old covenant. You can't be part of the new covenant with a little bit of the old covenant. You, you can't live under grace with a little bit of the law. So Paul's saying, hey, keep those things clear in your mind. If you start down that road, then you have to see it through. You're either under the law and you're obligated to follow the entire law and Christ has no value to you at all, or you're justified by Christ. You, you are a new creation. You are perfect and spotless in Christ. And the law has nothing left to say to you. So, so Paul is essentially saying you have to think clearly about Jesus and you have to think clearly about yourself when it comes to these issues. Once you start down the road to legalism, that attitude actually works itself into every aspect of your life with God. Or the phrase Paul uses in this passage, he says, a little dough essentially poisons the whole batch. You, you try and mix a little in and all of a sudden, you've fallen from grace. And that's actually what that phrase means, by the way. Sometimes in, in, the, in the Christian subculture, we say, oh, someone, that person's fallen from grace, meaning like they live in sin you know, or they're, they're drifting from God and they're living in sin. That's actually not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say falling from grace actually means you're turning from the radical grace of God, the scandalous gospel of the cross, in favor of a rule-based religion. If you choose a rule-based religion, you, you've fallen from grace. Paul says you, you're alienating yourself from Christ. And that attitude is going to work its way into every aspect of your life. Uh, and, and it might start with something really simple. 
I'm a very, very disciplined person, a very driven person. So for me, it might start by saying, I am going to pray for this many minutes a day every day. And, it, and on these days, I'm going to fast. And, on these, and this is how much I'm going to give. And this is when I'll pray. And this is when I'll fast. And, and it might start by generating rules. Right, And those rules might start out as something that's very helpful, like, like a trellis that's supporting a vine, that, that, that leaves space for new life, that gives structure to something. But if we're not careful, sometimes we begin relating more to the rules than we do to God. And all of a sudden, we start taking our spiritual temperature and we start gauging our standing before God based on how I'm doing it following the rules. And whether they're my rules that I've generated or they're rules that we find in the Old Testament or elsewhere in Scripture. So every single one of us, every human being has to think about how do I gauge my standing before God? How do I gauge my relationship with him? How do you take your own spiritual temperature to figure out how am I doing in my walk with Jesus? Is it based on how you're doing with the spiritual disciplines? Uh, is it based on how well you're following the law of the Old Testament or the rules that you've made for yourself? Is it based on how many times you've sinned this week or not sinned? If so, Paul's saying it's quite possible that you've fallen from grace, that, that you failed to understand, appreciate, experience, soak in the grace of God, you're still saved, but you've fallen from grace. You're not walking in the grace of God. And you'll know that you have because when others start to speak about the radical grace of God, it it sounds like a foreign concept to you. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but what, what, wait, what is this? What is this grace that you're talking? What is the grace of God? Remind me again because that concept sounds foreign. Explain that to me. And Paul says, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. If you're operating in legalism, one of the immediate side effects is that you feel alienated from Christ. Your your intimacy with God begins to fade. You, you, you won't be reigning in life, as the scriptures say. Uh, you won't be walking in grace. You'll feel distant from God for no other reason than that you've chose to live under a law instead of relating to God through his grace. Be on your guard, Paul says. A little yeast works its way through the whole batch. A little legalism here, a little legalism there, and all of a sudden, your entire life can be ruled by it. And it changes your relationship with God, the way you relate to him, your experience of him. And it changes your relationship to others. And all of a sudden, you're all about the rules. And if you're all about the rules, First off, you're going to be down on yourself, right? Because you'll realize, wow, I'm actually not good at following these rules. So you'll be down on yourself, but you'll also be down on others because they're not following the rules. And at least I'm trying, and they're doing even worse than I am. So now, now I'm very tempted to judge those around me. 
because they're not living up to these standards or following these rules that I think are important. And all of a sudden, you're alienated from God and in a weird way, you're, you're at tension with yourself and you're alienated from others all because of the legalism, all because of the way that you relate to a moral or written code. You were running a good race, Paul says. Who, who cut in on you? Who, who swerved you? Who persuaded you to abandon the path that you were taking? That kind of persuasion, Paul says, that manipulation, that condemnation, that does not come from the one who calls you. That, that does not come from God. He doesn't want you to live in that way. He doesn't want you to relate to him in that way way. And so Paul makes it very clear that we are to set the law aside uh, in its entirety. It's been fulfilled. It's been accomplished. Uh, Christ is the end of the law, he writes elsewhere. And now we are free to relate to God purely in his grace in Christ. That's how we run a good race. For in Christ Jesus, Paul says, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. It doesn't matter. It doesn't help you and it doesn't hurt you. It's, it's just an empty gesture now. It, it doesn't mean anything. It's meaningless before God. The only thing that counts, Paul said this morning, is faith expressing itself through love. You want to excel. I, I consider myself a very driven person, an ambitious person. I have to be careful how I channel those things. Do you, or if you're like that, if you think, I want to excel in life. I want to excel in my walk with God. Paul's saying, don't do it under the law. If you try to excel under the law or under a written code, you'll only shoot yourself in the foot. That's actually going backwards to the way things were before Jesus came, not going forwards into kingdom and new creation. If you want to excel, then you soak yourself in the grace of God. You enjoy God's grace. You celebrate God's grace. You walk in God's grace. You abide in him. And your growing faith will express itself through love. Jesus actually comes to us as a very loving presence, as a very comforting presence, but as a challenging presence. He wants to grow your faith. He wants to grow your love. Jesus wants to have you in a place this afternoon, tomorrow, a year from now, 10 years from now, where your faith is far greater than it is right now, and, and your faith is expressing itself in love to, to a greater degree than it is right now. Now, the goal of our lives, if we want to excel in, in the Christian life, it's to commune with the triune God of Father, Spirit, and Son, and to allow his life, his energy, his grace, his passion, his love to flow through us into the world around us. That, that's what it looks like uh, to, to excel in our walk. It's, it's for freedom, Paul says, that Christ has set us free. He's not after your morality. He's after your faith and he's after your love. But notice how offensive this is. God's grace is offensive to us. The gospel is often offensive to us. 
it offends our sense of, of logic and justice and morality. God's grace is a scandalous, scandalous thing. In fact, it's so shocking, it's so scandalous that God would justify sinners, that he would change our status, that he would make us, declare us righteous, that some part of us actually takes offense. Uh, Some part of us isn't quite sure. We hear the gospel, and if you're anything like me, I think that sounds a little bit too good to be true. And, and so there's this inner debate that happens. In fact, that, sounds, that does sound too good to be true. Perhaps it is too good to be true. What if I've misunderstood? What if I've got it wrong? What if it isn't as scandalous and radical as I've heard it is? And, and so as I think we run to the law sometimes, or we run to a written code at, as sort of a, a safety, as sort of a backup plan, <laughs> for God's radical grace in Christ. And is it true that I'm just simply proclaimed righteous? Because that offends something within us. Surely that's not how it actually works. I should probably follow the law just to be safe, just in case the gospel isn't as radical as I thought it was. And then Paul comes along and he says, I'm not preaching the law. If I were preaching the law, and advocating for circumcision, then the gospel wouldn't be offensive. Then then we wouldn't be persecuted. But I am being persecuted. If I preached a little bit of legalism here and a little bit of circumcision there, then these Jewish communities wouldn't be persecuting us for the gospel. It would be, the offense of the cross would be erased. We would be able to remove the stumbling stone That is Jesus and the radical nature of his gospel. And Paul says, it's not possible. The stumbling stone remains. The radical nature of the gospel must be preached in all of its glory. And the gospel was offensive for so many reasons. The fact that Jesus was crucified on a Roman cross was unspeakably offensive to both Romans and to Jews. It was a laughable, embarrassing, scandalous thing in the first century. The fact that Jesus freely and completely justifies sinners apart from the law and makes them righteous is probably as offensive today as it was back then. And the fact that Paul is calling for the end of the law and its requirements was, was specially offensive to the Jewish community in his day. I mean, not only was the law from God given to Moses at Mount Sinai, but it had also become part of the Jewish national identity. It was central to who they were as a people. Devout Jews lived, breathed the law day in and day out. And, and I can't think of a great parallel today, but it would almost be like burning an American flag which is doubly offensive on July 4th weekend. But imagine for a second, if the church took the stance that allegiance to Jesus meant that you had to forsake all other allegiances. You could have no other allegiance. And, and yet Christian communities were sort of getting that mixed up. And so the church said, you know what? In order to make it clear where your allegiance lies, as a new follower of Jesus, you place your faith in Jesus, you get baptized, and then you have to go onto a street corner in public and you have to burn an American flag for everyone to see. 
Well, if the church started doing that, I think the very natural question that would arise in most people's minds is why? Like, why would you, why would you do that? Why would you go out of your way to do something that's so offensive? What's wrong with America? Uh, what's wrong with, with American ideals? Is that, is, are those things incompatible with faith in Jesus? Why would you go out of your way to cause such an offense? Can't we just love God and love our country at the same time? Isn't that a seamless combination? I mean, I mean, why not? Why couldn't you do that? And there's a sense in which that's exactly what's happening here. The Jews are thinking, why would you go out of your way to reject something that's good? Why would you go out of your way to reject the law and circumcision? These, these are good things. These are cherished things. What's wrong with the law? What's wrong with circumcision? Are these things incompatible with Jesus? It, it doesn't look that way from the life of Jesus. Why can't you have, but why would you go out of your way to make such a public offensive statement and to reject these things? It, it was offensive to them. I mean, is following Jesus incompatible with the law? Can't you do both at the same time? Can't this be a seamless thing that you do together? I mean, why not? So this was, this was part of the offense of the cross. This was part of the struggle in these early communities. And Paul, and Paul says about the law, hey, don't worry about offending them. Be true to Jesus. Be true to the gospel. Stand firm in his grace. He says, those who are throwing you into confusion, whoever they may be, they will have to pay the penalty. But stand firm. And don't allow yourself to be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't settle for a mix. Don't settle for a compromise. Don't add in a little law. Don't slip into a little legalism. This is about grace, Paul says, from start to finish. And I know what some of you are thinking as we close. If we don't have rules either from the Old Testament or, or laws we impose on ourselves, if we don't have the law, then won't we just keep on sinning? I, I mean, if it's really this radical, if we're really totally and utterly free from the law, if it has nothing to say to us, and we are completely justified by the blood of Christ, then, then what's to keep us from living a life of sin? To which I would answer, Come next week and we'll sort it all out. But for this week, as we close, the encouragement is simple. Stand firm in the grace of God. Don't let a hint of legalism into your walk because a little yeast works its way through the whole batch of dough and refuse to be burdened by a yoke of slavery again. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Following the rules makes no difference. Placing yourself under a strict moral code does not make you any more righteous in God's eyes. In fact, Paul says, it can alienate you from Christ, from fellowship with him, from just enjoying the radical nature of his grace. The only thing that matters 
is faith expressing itself through love. Let's pray. And actually, as we, as we close in prayer, um, I'll just invite those who want to, to um, you can open your hands if you want. You can sit, stand, kneel, do whatever's going to be best for you. But we've just recognized that uh, with everything that uh, we've been through in the last few months uh, as humanity, I guess, but we can really see it in our community. There's just a lot of need for the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts. Uh, to, to break strongholds of fear and anxiety, uh, to bring healing where there needs to be healing. And usually we would have a prayer team and we would say, hey, anybody who needs prayer, come over here. We're going to lay hands on you. And even that is like now weird in, in the world that we live in. Uh, but the Holy Spirit's here. And so as we head into worship, uh, I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit would come and just begin to minister to us, speak to our hearts, bring, bring healing where there needs to be healing. Um, and, and continue to transform us into Christ-like human beings. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place, Lord. And as we do, we celebrate the radical nature of your grace. We celebrate that we are declared righteous, proclaimed righteous. Hallelujah. <laughs> what a gift, Lord that each one of us stands here with nothing left to do, nothing left to earn except to enjoy. And so we have uh, every right now to come to you as, as sons and daughters. You say that we're co-heirs with Christ. We have this incredible identity, incredible standing, and we, we come and we ask. Uh, we, can, we confess, Lord. We, we repent. We, we lift up these things to you. Uh, and I even just think of, for me personally, my day yesterday was just filled with uh, just anxiety and frustration and, and even anger. And uh, I think these emotions that um, can come welling up out of circumstance and pressure. And yet, Lord, as we stand here free in your presence, we just want to confess those things, to speak them out, um, to, to give you the things that rule or feel like they're ruling over us. And you say that those who have placed their faith in you, every single one of us is justified, who've placed their faith in you, every single one of us is a new creation. And you say sin will no longer rule, will rule over us. The fear of death will no longer rule over us. The law will no longer rule over us. And I think that the same is true for other things. You say anger will no longer rule over us. Anxiety will no longer rule over us. Fear will no longer be your master because perfect love casts out fear. And so we come now, Lord, confessing. I'm the first one here to just confess the things that have been gripping me. And we speak those things out and we release them and ask for your healing touch, Lord. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Hallelujah. And so for all the things that feel like they have too much power in our lives, that we feel enslaved by, whether that's fear of the future, anxiety, sort of a, a hoarding or withdrawal mentality brought about through circumstance, just anger and frustration, Lord, we speak it out to you. And we pray, come Holy Spirit, as we worship you now, speak to us, touch, heal, bring about more and more new creation life right here and right now. 
Paul says the old is passing away. Even our outer selves are are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Come and renew us now as we worship you, Jesus. We come in expectation, and in Jesus' name, amen.